You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. In the second half of the show, we will have an interview with Roberta Malice about the co-op wars uh, in Minneapolis in the 1970s. But first, we start with the news. Teen Vogue has an article by Jeanette Cordova on September 13th, which has a connection to Minneapolis. The article is entitled, Abolitionist Candidates Are Running for Office Across the Country. Speaking to the issue of police abolition, it touches on the Minneapolis mayoral campaign of Sheila Nazad running as Sheila for the People in Minneapolis. The article says, quote, In Minneapolis, the city where George Floyd's murder ignited months of worldwide protests, mayoral candidate Nazad, an abolitionist organizer, is a top challenger to the incumbent Jacob Fry, end quote. In the article, Nazad says the rubber bullets that were fired at her when she worked as a street medic during the Minneapolis uprising last year still leave her scarred. The article says Nazad is focused on providing communities the resources they need to survive and flourish. That, she says, is the way to prevent crime. You can read the entire article, which also discusses other abolitionist candidates on teenvogue.com. Jerry White writes for World Socialist website an article on September 14th entitled Outbreaks at Factories and Workplaces Fuel COVID-19 Surge in the U.S. The article says that the U.S. media is barely reporting on it, but that, quote, COVID-19 outbreaks in manufacturing, construction sites, and other workplaces are a major driving force for the surge of infections and deaths in the United States, end quote. The article says that now with the Delta variant, COVID is again, quote, spreading out of control in the U.S., end quote. The article gives current statistics, 41 million total cases, over 670,000 dead, and hospitalization seven-day average of 99,879. The article notes no national record-keeping on workplace outbreaks, but notes the K-12 schools, manufacturing and construction sites, and long-term care facilities, quote, regularly exchange positions as the top three settings for the spread of the virus, end quote. The article says Michigan Department of Health and Human Services counts 43 ongoing outbreaks in the manufacturing and construction site areas, 206 outbreaks at factories in Illinois, the article says, since July 1, as well as noting a huge increase in factory outbreaks in California between June and July 2021. World Socialist website also has their own reports from Arkansas, Kentucky, and Michigan plants, which you should check out. The article says, quote, Last Friday, the California State Senate, where the Democrats hold 31 of the 40 seats, unanimously approved a bill that explicitly keeps millions of workers from knowing if there are outbreaks at their workplaces, end quote. 
But based on the data, we can't expect Biden's OSHA to protect workers, says the article, as, quote, to date, it has concluded 80% of the cases, most with cursory investigations that rarely result in an inspection, end quote. United Auto Workers Union has also worked to keep plants open even when it puts workers in jeopardy. And so the article says, quote, in every workplace, workers must form rank and file safety committees to oppose the systematic conspiracy to cover up the spread of COVID-19 and demand full contact tracing information at workplaces and paid quarantine for all workers who are exposed. On Liberation News, September 13th is an article by Liberation staff entitled Socialist Distribute Relief to Louisiana Demand Full Federal Aid Now, which outlines the work of PSL members on the ground in the Gulf Coast. The article says even a week after the hurricane, many people had no power and scant food, but the federal government has done, quote, almost nothing to help the people. The article says, quote, we demand that FEMA and other government relief be immediately distributed to people throughout these neighborhoods, end quote, and says aid should not be contingent on citizenship status. The article says instead of wasting money on war, like the war in Afghanistan, which costs $2.3 trillion, that money should be spent to, quote, rebuild people's lives, end quote. Read the full story at liberationnews.org. John V. Walsh has an article on Counterpunch on September 13th entitled Biden Exits Afghanistan Heads in the Wrong Direction, explaining how, quote, a major motivation for getting out of Afghanistan is to give the U.S. a freer hand to bring down China and Russia, end quote. The article says Biden did the right thing in, quote, terminating the war, end quote, and says he should do that also in Syria and Iraq. Liberals and pundits, it says, have failed to learn the lessons of Afghanistan and, quote, are silent about this new Cold War, end quote, referring to China and increasing rhetoric around, quote, democracy and human rights. Mia Foley-Doyle writes for In Defense of Marxism on September 14th, an article with the title, Radicalization of the Youth Leaves the Ruling Class Fearful. According to the article's According to articles in Financial Times, which it calls, quote, the mouthpiece of big business in Britain, end quote, the global capitalist crisis is leading youth around the globe to become radicalized. The article says, quote, we've witnessed widespread misery and social murder during the pandemic. And on top of that, the climate crisis poses an existential threat for the whole of humanity, end quote. According to the Financial Times poll, it says 80 percent of 18 to 34-year-olds in Spain, the U.S., and U.K. agree with the statement, quote, I feel like things in my country are out of control right now, end quote. With more than 60% agreement in South Africa, India, Brazil, France, Canada, Russia, Italy, and Mexico. But what conclusions are being drawn? On that, the Financial Times stops short, but the article continues, quote, a study by the Institute of Economic Affairs in July found that more than 70% of young people in the U.K. explicitly blamed the climate crisis and racism on capitalism, with almost 80% quite rightly blaming the housing crisis on capitalism, end quote. You can read the full article at Marxist.com. Now we go to a clip of the Nibe Water song, which is an Ojibwe uh, song. Uh, in English, this means water. We love you. We thank you. We respect you. This was recorded at... Minnehaha Falls for Urban Cabin Studios on August 24th. The recording is a little bit uh, noisy um, because it does have Minnehaha Falls in the background. 
Again, this is the Nibe water song. We're back, and now we go to our interview on the Minneapolis Co-op Wars. This is with Roberta Malice and partner Lynette also assists with the interview. This is part one of the interview. We'll have part two next month. Also, next month, October, Co-op Wars, a new documentary on this very topic, will be premiering on Minnesota Experience on TPG2. That will be October 4th. That's Monday, October 4th, 2021 at 8 p.m. So if you are interested in the part one we have here today, I would definitely encourage folks to go and watch the uh, full documentary on public television. And we will be back with part two uh, of our story next month on... Thursday, October 21st. And now, Co-op Wars, part one. My name is Roberta Malis, and um, I was around, I was here in, in Minneapolis in 1970 at the start of the, the Twin Cities food co-op movements. When we, the first storefront was opened in, in, in 1971, and, and I was involved at a the People's Pantry, which was before, like it wasn't a storefront; it was a like a food distribution in the Cedar Riverside People's Center. At which, so in 
most people in Minneapolis, pretty much everybody is familiar with the, with the food co-ops, that sewer co-op, the Wedge, Northeast, Mississippi, right? These are like the, the, the ones in St. Paul. And nowadays, what I always say is, is that people recognize, recognize the food co-ops as, as cooperatively owned, but professionally managed health food stores. We call them like that. And, uh, and it's, and I always say by that in the early 1970s, say from 1970 to 75, those were the, the, the food co-ops were, when they were, as they were being created, they were strongly associated with the counterculture. They're still a little bit kind of associated like that, but not so much. But, but back, back in the day, there was, this was the end of, of the, the Vietnam Wars, like the Indo U.S. military adventure in Indochina. So of course, they, like the U.S. was uh, driven in defeat from its Vietnam uh, Wars in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia in 1975. And in in, in those f five years, uh, the the first half of the 1970s, the Twin City Twin Cities food co-ops grew at a phenomenal rate. That there was a dozen stores, a dozen storefronts here in the Twin Cities, and a couple of bakeries and other associated ventures. You know, like a urban spice distribution and, and you know dairy distribution and and a, there was a hard hard like a you know like car repair shop and a bike you know a bike shop and then all around the the, the trading region that centers on, on Minneapolis and St. Paul. So eastern Wisconsin, northern Iowa, the western Dakotas, the upper, the upper peninsula of Michigan, there were like um, some some stores and some buying clubs and some people started to do or, or organic farms. So it was a substantial undertaking that had just sprung up. And a, a lot of it is in, I think there was a lot of energy turned loose in the anti-war and anti-draft movements. and. And, and civil rights, black power, women's liberation, gay right, you know, gay liberation, all that stuff. That was all in the in the mix in right. the late 60s, early 70s. And 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 but like the co-ops benefited from like it was a positive expression. You didn't just have to go out and demonstrate and shout and in some cases riot, you know, carry on against the like the military adventure against the U U.S. system. So that the, the food co-ops were, were a way of expressing. Like a, a, a countercultural like value of cooperation and living in harmony with the earth, um, women's rights, um, child care centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Child care centers. There was there was all this energy that that had, and these these food co-ops that just blossomed. And speaking as as, as a person who had participated in that, and and um, and, it, and it, I mean it was a, we had a, a ton of fun. It was a great time to be alive. Um, and um, we thought we, we were the, the cat's pajamas, and we, we had really figured something out. You know, we, we, we were, you know, we were just the coolest thing. And like I say, a lot of us, there was, of course, there was a number of different perspectives of the people that shot there and, and, and worked at them. We weren't all the same, you know, we, we kind of maybe assumed that we were the same thing, but, but it's, but there was, we had a, like a, a theory or philosophy about food. That, that, that it, it should be um, minimally processed and minimally packaged and it should be you know go, grown close to home and 
it was, you know, dairy was okay, but meat was uh, frowned upon, canned goods more so, um, uh, you know. Uh, when you shop there, you brought your own bags, right? Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's when we shop. You know, when when you shop there, you were supposed to know to to, to, to bring your own uh, containers. You know, a, you know, a, a jar for honey or um, vegetable oil or molasses. Right. Or uh, you know, paper bags for. So, so it's like the like the the model then it was was to to have like bulk like bulk you know food in in bins on the. So you, we'd tear all the shelves out of a out of a grocery store and, and just have these like I mean they, they were meant to these green I mean garbage bins really mm. and into the, in, in, into those we we dump a hundred hundred pound sacks of whole wheat flour and brown rice and pinto beans green split peas that kind of stuff and then we had, we had a big vegetable cooler and and then for sweeteners we had barrels of honey now just I got to tell you a barrel of honey weighs seven hundred pounds <laughs> so. It, it's just right. Oil is less dense, so it's you know. So we were so, and we we have. I mean, we we can see in hindsight that people would be like, if if you didn't, if you look too much like you had a straight job, you know, it's like if you worked in an office or a, or a factory or something like that, it you would kind of like you didn't really fit in that well. So people would come in and they'd say, well, where's your sugar? And we'd say, well, lady, you know, <laughs> we don't we don't sell you sugar here, mm. you know. And well, 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 what do you sweeten your 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 stuff with? Your food with well, with honey. We point to this barrel of honey over against the wall, and, and then they say, well, "What am I? What am I supposed to put it in?" And then older people like my mother would be confused. You know, she'd walk in and not know what to do, where to go. She hadn't brought her containers, and so she didn't fit in either. Yeah, yeah, and and we were visibly counterculture you know long hair and beads sort of thing you know it's kind of, I, you know and the you know beards on the young man and stuff like that and and um and and there, there was a little nastier turn i could to give you a feeling of is we had a term for what we what you might call straight food we call that shirk food okay now would you like to have your food the food that you eat in your family have somebody call that shirk food Mm. Oh no, that's no one. Of course you wouldn't, you know. And so, so this kind of, but so we were going along, and kind of like you know, really you know, like I say, it was great. I remember. I mean, there's maybe transition to the point where things started to okay divide a little bit. Well, there was it things. I mean, there was a in I think late in '74. There was um, the hints or the beginning of, of, of the struggle, and the, the, there were there was there was the co-op struggle. Yeah, the co-op. Yeah. So before it got to the point of being the co-op wars, there was a like a, did we you know there was these murmurings or like like these the like a, a well there was. One of the first things that happened was that there was, like, like this this group that called itself the co-op organization, and it it had, it had um, taken over, if if you will. I mean, it, it had, of course, there was no one to, to defend. There was one of the food co-ops was called the Beanery, and it was on on Lindale, just south of Lake Street, and uh, and it, it was it was known in the in the movement in the co-op movement as like. 
like the the spaciest one, the least well organized, the least professionally managed, and and it's like there the group of people that that ran that place was called the Space Cadets, and that's just what everybody called them. And so, the, but the, the the there was a group of people that that went there and and then wrote a it was a paper called the Beanery Paper that criticized the kinds of things that I was telling you about. They they they, they criticized that. Like the in very sharp terms, like like the elitism, mm. and they were using terms like petty bourgeois to describe like the you know the, the yeah the, yeah the, the middle class like the quote middle class hippies and and saying that the these middle class hippies had expropriated socialized property. I mean, I'm not sure if the Beanery paper used those exact terms, but that's where we're going. Right. So. But so there, there was a, and 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 then there were a series of like two or three like public debates, a mass debate, at a at the, you know, there's a, one of those a, like a, a church like a, gym, gymnasium there in the Phillips neighborhood, you know, where, like the CEO would organize this and they would debate it and and and, and so people were getting like. Kind of CEO is the co-op. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pardon me. So, so, so. Well, I use the term co-op organization, and I'm telling people that are unfamiliar with it. You have to be clear. Like, there's the co-op organization is not at all to be confused with, with like the food co-ops themselves. Okay, because the co-op organization was, was the name that this, like, like this. Well, it was a. I'll skip ahead. A Marxist-Leninist. It started itself as a Marxist-Leninist organization that was going to bring that. The food co-ops into the working class struggle. So it, um, but but so the CEO or the co-op organization was was, I mean, different than the, the food co-ops in general. But but the two names are very similar. Um, so in that winter of 74, 75, there was there, there was a lot of debate and and uh, um, debate criticism arguments arguments. Yeah yeah it. Um, and uh, they, they they posted the CEO posted like these these silk screen signs. One, one, one of them said criticism, discussion, transformation. It was a certain and and, and this, you know red paper and then they, they posted it would, you know went around to all the food co-ops in town, posted these signs all on all, all the stores. So mm-hmm. it was like I don't know um, a jet prop if that's probably but but kind of like this like this militant propaganda. Yeah, and 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 there were others like you know it's like centralized resources to serve the many, and uh, you know like there was one other set of slogans, um, and 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 then so through that um, winter seventy four seventy five this campaign um, was was uh, warmed up and, and I I got pulled into it and and you knew something was going on but but but, but there's a a woman, I, I won't use anybody's name without, you know, but, but I, there's still, still friends, you know, still uh, in our circle of, of acquaintance. And, and, and she asked me to, if I wanted to come to a, a, a book study, I said, sure. And she said, now don't tell. And, I, and my, my, my roommate, who was um, a prominent figure in the food co-ops, he, he sometimes went as Mr. Co-op. And he also is, is, is so I've been friends with him ever since, and, and also with with the other lady, but but he, but so the, I was pulled into this secret book study. So this is like dramatic. This is interesting. Right. Nobody ever asked me to do this. And the book we studied was it was a fairly short 
volume, barely more than a pamphlet called Dialectical and Historical Materialism. And its author was Joe Stalin. Now, <laughs> so, so when's the last time you read Stalin for fun? <laughs> like, right? Well, we took, we, we, we took Stalin seriously. And, uh, and Mao, too. Um, but but so I but getting a little hit. So then, what, what, if you remember your history, or if you learned about it, um, sometimes I ask people, "Where were you in 1975?" So 1975, you know, was the, the end of the, the Vietnam War when the U.S. lost and, and Vietnam American won. Jeeps rolled into Saigon about three and a half hours after the end of the dramatic American evacuation of U.S. nationals and many South Vietnamese. And, and it, that was in the spring of, of, of that year, end of April, I think. And and, uh, and that's where things came to a head here in town. So there was, the People's Warehouse was the central buying unit for the, the beans and grains. We viewed it as a multi-state area. Yeah, yeah for, the, for, for this whole trading region. All these stores and buying clubs and, and uh, around the region and uh, it had organized it for itself like it, it was run by its collective of course we, we all had you know collective management uh, no bosses was was our kind of ethos model. yeah yeah and um and um they like it, it was so it, it was like the collective ran it but there was a policy review board which was like something like a, a, a quasi-government body, a quasi-parliament, if you want to consider it that, that didn't really call direction, but but it, but it met on a quarterly basis, and it, it deliberately met on the solstices and the equinoxes, you know, not not, not on the civil calendar, but but on the, you know, like the... Astrological. Yeah, yeah, it, it, right, right, it, it's the, like the... Pagan calendar. Yeah, yeah, the, the pagan calendar, actually, and it, it, um, and, and it's, so there were a large group of hippies in t I mean I, I and I, I say that with affection you know it's like like there, there were people from all around the region in town for the quarterly meeting and and we we met at a at a hall it's in 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 in, in St. Paul the, the hall was owned by the odd fellows and 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 the, like these issues had been debated back and forth for months and they, they came to a head so what the sequence of events was that people in the CO announced that they had had seized control of, of the, the checkbook and of, of the people's warehouse and and the CEO is now in charge. So, so they announced that at the meeting. And then in, in response to that is, you know, consternation and and, and in response to that, a, a, a group of the people who were opposed to that went and 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 then physically went there and, and occupied it. Occupied the warehouse and 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 uh, in, in order to thwart the, the, the attempt by the CEO to take it over and in my personal story that's why I had been on the fringes getting pulled into the to, to, to the CEO because you would get well you would get pulled in you didn't just say I'll join you know sign me up you know no 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 that you would get brought in and and it um and and uh, you had to be kind of like checked out first and um so then that that's when I got pulled in and, and and in in and we we and in the uh, it, to 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 take it back or to to really take it over and 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 so that that's when I really crossed over that line to being inside this thing.
And we'll be back next month with the second half of that report on the Minneapolis Co-op Wars. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.